Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 120, and we're going to take a look at the International Organization of Masters, Mates and Pilots. But first of all, let me do a little bit of housekeeping. So, just in case you didn't know, the month of July is National Blueberry Month. So for sure, pick up some blueberries and munch on those. They are really healthy for you. They have antioxidants in them. I've been using frozen blueberries in some smoothies here lately. They are really good. It's actually cheaper, well, at least for me, because I live by myself, and I'm not married yet. So I buy things that I can put in the freezer quite a bit, especially for fruits and vegetables. So when it comes to making my smoothies, I buy large bags of blueberries and smooth and uh, strawberries. And then I section them off like a cup at a time in plastic baggies, because I I drink anywhere from two to four cups of fruit a day, just to be healthy, and I think it tastes really good. And so what I typically do is I pull two baggies out of the fridge, or, or sorry, excuse me, the freezer, and I pour those uh, blueberries and strawberries into a bowl. I wash them off in cold water because if you use warm water, they will start to melt and get mushy, and you don't want that because basically what you're doing. is you're using the frozen fruit as your ice chips because the problem I was having was was that my smoothie or my uh my blender was not liking the ice chips like it wasn't big enough to handle the ice the fruit and the liquid so I was like well I'll just use the fruit as the ice itself and so I just froze them so after washing the fruit which is maybe a couple seconds or something I put that in the blender And you can use water to help make your smoothie, but what I like to do is I love to use diet cranberry juice. I love cranberry juice, but I don't like all the sugar in it because a bunch of sugar does not make me feel very good, and I don't think that eating or consuming large amounts of sugar is very healthy for you. It's not good for your insulin levels. So I do the diet cranberry juice made by Ocean Spray. It tastes so good, and it works really well in a smoothie. So I pour that in there. and I mix it all up. Another thing I've been doing um to get my protein because I was missing out on protein. I I forgot to eat my protein. So I I've been using milled flaxseed, which tastes so good. It's one of my favorites. Like even when I'm eating ice cream, I'll sprinkle some milled flaxseed on it. It tastes really good. You get your protein. In terms of the smoothies, what I've been doing is I've been adding one or two tablespoons of milled flaxseed. to my smoothie so I get about anywhere from 15 to 25 grams of protein with each serving. So that's really good. So even if you are not a bodybuilder or if you don't exercise strenuously, you still need protein. Protein is used um by your cells, especially your brain, your muscles and your tissue. So it's it's good to get protein, you know, because you feel better. It's almost like eating eggs but without the high cholesterol. And I'm not dissing eggs, but I know that whenever I eat eggs all the time, I don't always feel very good. So I maybe eat scrambled eggs, you know, maybe two or three times a week. I used to eat them every day, but I couldn't take it. <laughs> it just didn't make me feel very good even though eggs are great protein. Um, you might want to try out some smoothies if you're having problems or issues with your cholesterol or if you just want to try something new. And what I love about having a smoothie that, you know, this is a side note. What's nice about smoothies is that you don't have to cook anything. So I can get up in the morning Um, I typically get up and pray, or or and or watch something really positive, or and or I go right into exercising, which I try to exercise 15 to 30 minutes in the morning when I wake up, and then I go get a smoothie and make it real quick. It's like you know five minutes, five to ten minutes to make a smoothie, and then I can drink it throughout the morning. So that way, you know, you're not 
slamming your blood sugar all at once in the morning, which is what it felt like to me like whenever I would eat pancakes or something. So it's nice to have a smoothie because you can just take that with you to work. So that's really nice and it helps also with brain fog, especially like in the afternoon when everybody gets tired around 3 or 4 o'clock and you're in that last shift, you know, for your work. So smoothies re- work really well to help keep you awake and keep you alert and you know, fuel your brain. Yeah, that's always a good thing. But um let's go ahead and start on this puppy. So this is the National Organization of Masters, Mates and Pilots. A little bit of background. It was founded in 1880. It's headquartered in and I'm probably going to mispronounce this. I think it's Lithicum Heights, Maryland. It's located in the United States. In terms of members, they have 5,500 members. Um let's see as of 2018. Their president is Donald J. Marcus. and they are affiliated with AFL CIO. Now, I do want to mention this. They it says their location is currently in the United States. I'm guessing that just means their headquarters, but in times past when we have looked at other international unions and organizations, they have locations in other places. Well, this particular union, the reason why it's called an international union or organization is because You know, initially it was just an American one, but then later in time it um merged with a a Canadian local, which I'm not a fan of doing that um at all. And then also here recently they merged or didn't merge, they took under their wing um some some workforces in Mexico and Panama. Now Panama, I'm cool with. No issues there. Mexico it it's 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 tricky with that. And here's why. Mexico is a it's a good country. They have wonderful people. Everyone I've met from Mexico has been awesome. Very sweet people, very charming. I mean, they're just a hoot. Their culture is very loud. So I'm not used to that cuz I'm used to um I prefer mellow and calm. I mean, I do like some excitement in my life per se, but it's like their culture is just loud all the time. You know, but anyway, they're they're good people. They really are. Um here's the thing though their country is corrupt and that's not a reflection of all their people it's a reflection of their leaders and they also have problems with gang violence and drug cartels also um they do make products but they're not the best unless it's truly something that is hispanic you know what i mean like there's certain there's certain products that countries make that they know how to make it really well because it originated there You know, be like if I wanted to buy, you know, uh what's it called, maracas, those things that shake or whatever and they have that sound to them. You know, only someone in Spain or Mexico or possibly Portugal could make those really well because that's that's their heritage. But unfortunately because of NAFTA, which is the North American Fair Trade Agreement, which was signed into law by President Bill Clinton. Now, he did some good things, but this was not one of them. He signed into law NAFTA And when that got signed into law, thousands of our jobs in the United States went to other countries, especially Mexico. One of the problems with that is that Mexico, and this is why I'm not a fan of this organization taking on uh Mexico under their wing in terms of labor force with this because their standards are not the same as our standards here in the United States. Mexico is a socialist country. They can make it seem like it's democratic. It's not. It's very corrupt. Like whatever corruption we have here in the United States is nothing compared to what happens in Mexico. Um Mexico, you have a lot of corruption within their government, especially their local governments, and then you have corruption obviously within local gangs. 
It's one of those things like sometimes people down in Mexico, they have to pay off, you know, the the federales, the the state police to leave them alone, but then they also have to pay off the the local gangs and drug cartels to leave them alone. So it's like paying for two security systems, but you're not really secure either way. That happens all the time in Mexico. It's been going on for a long time. It's nothing new. Now here's the thing. Their labor laws are nothing like ours. So, and also their wages are lower than than Americans. Hence, you know, it's not slave labor. It's not as bad as China or parts of India, but it's lower um it's lower end work. Um it's lower income work, I should say. And it's not skilled labor. So, a lot of products that have been moved or excuse me, operations and manufacturing sites that have been moved to Mexico, we lost all those jobs here here in the United States. because they went down to Mexico because companies crookedly I would say crookedly um want to make more money and normally there's nothing wrong with making more money but this is not the way to do it they want to make more money but not really care how a good is produced so it's subpar um it's a subpar product because they do not have the same standards as us I'll give an example there is a international company it's technically part of a holding company um that owns a lot of foods it's called mendelos or mendelez i think it's mendelos it's a european company at least initially it was that's the thing they they lie about themselves all the time because they don't want you to know where they actually are located like the hq and they don't really want you to know who the key people are i noticed that because like 5 to 10 years ago they had no problem saying who they were what they were doing now they're more hidden they hide more so behind holding companies which holding companies are good for financial reasons they i think they should remain in the financial sector not in food and beverage because it seems like whenever a holding company takes over any type of food and beverage it just tanks the company it it um it lowers the quality of the product and of the service which is exactly what happened with this example that I'm about to give so i love nabisco and um I love Oreos and there there's another product that I used to eat a lot of it was a cracker that I really liked. Well, out of the blue they started tasting funky. I was like, what is going on with this? It didn't taste right. So I thought, well, maybe it's just a bad batch. So I went to another store, you know, got a different batch because you can look at the numbers, you know, like the ISBN and something else and you know, you can change it up. Well, guess what? They all tasted lousy and they all you know, had my skin react. So I can tell when there's some funky ingredient in a food because um my eczema will break out. And I know when inflammation's going on because my skin will react. Now just FYI, there there are many different types of allergic reactions to things, but the two I'm going to talk about are contact dermatitis and then when you actually consume a product and you have an allergic reaction from the inside out. So contact dermatitis is where something gets in contact with the surface of your skin like for example a soap or something you're like maybe a laundry detergent and or maybe a perfume you know let's say it's a organic perfume but your skin's like I don't like this so just because something is natural um you know maybe essential oil that doesn't mean that your skin can tolerate it or that you should use it because it's it's in its rawest purest form which means it's more concentrated which is why when you use essential oils why you're supposed to extremely dilute them with a carrier oil such as olive oil or coconut oil or almond oil you know whatever the case may be or even castor oil castor oil is a really good nourishing oil as well but anyway 
Um, so contact dermatitis is where something from the outside touches your skin, and that reaction is just truly a surface level reaction. So, for example, if you're having a allergic reaction to your laundry detergent, all you have to do is just stop using that laundry detergent, right? And then your skin will clear up; you'll be fine. The other type of allergic reaction is when it comes from the inside out, meaning you have consumed something, whether it is a food, a drug, a beverage, whatever the case may be. Anything can cause a reaction. So, it's it's one of those things; it's hit or miss. Sometimes it's hard to determine what, but in my case, I knew exactly what the problem was. So I ate these crackers that I've I've eaten for years, never had a problem before. They didn't taste right, and I was like, "This is odd." So I bought another batch. They still didn't taste right. Well, guess what? Within 10 to 12 hours, I was in a full-blown allergic reaction in terms of eczema. and i could feel it throughout the night i mean i didn't have any breathing problems i've had breathing problems before with other products but not this one and so i felt like welts coming up from the inside out on my skin and i was like oh this is great something's going on so i wake up and it's like my eczema i mean it looks like poison ivy but it's not but it's it weeps it bleeds it's painful and it's just horrible. So, needless to say, dermatologist visit, new medicine, that kind of thing. Did did not really want to have to go through all that, but that's what you do to take care of yourself, right? So, I identified that it was this product that was causing the reaction. And so I looked at the company. I was like, "Well, it's Nabisco. What's going on with this?" Well, um this cracker and also Oreos, um they had sold out their shares or that particular product. See there are companies that own many goods. So let's say for example, I'm going to make this up. Let's say Kraft, you know, the people that make cheese. Well, there's all these different types of cheese, right? Well, there's American cheese, there's mozzarella, there's Colby Jack, there's sharp cheddar. You know, each one of those is made separately. Well, sometimes what companies do, and I'm not saying Kraft has done this, I'm just using this as an analogy. What some companies do is they will sell one particular product from within their product line. So they may not sell all of their cheeses to another company. They might just sell one or two, and sometimes they might sell the entire cheese line or product line just because they keep it together for shareholder reasons, right? Well, in the Bisco, they sold not all their products, but quite a few to this European company. Uh Mendelos or Mendelez, whatever it's called. And since then, they have moved almost every american operation that was here in the united states down to mexico and since then the quality has not been as good the product doesn't taste as good it doesn't keep as long it rots um even though a lot of bread products are supposed to have preservatives in them and preservatives that our body can handle so needless to say there's so many products that i have not been purchasing anymore because they're made in mexico now As I said, Mexico does not have the same safety standards. They are not a very wealthy country. Now, if you look at their their GDP, if you look at their gross domestic product, you know, they are a wealthy country. But that's just their money and their currency and plus it's it's money that's not really going to all their people, right? And I'm not saying it's it's a unitarian utopia outcome because that will never happen on the face of this earth. That's not how human beings are. So the quicker people wake up to the fact that that's not a reality, the better things will be because it's better to believe a truth than a lie, right? 
However, in Mexico, they don't pay their workers very well. They do not. The money's almost always up at the top. And it's usually with um corrupt government officials, it's with corrupt companies. So whatever corrupt companies we have here in the United States, it's nothing compared to what happens in Mexico. Now what sucks, excuse my language, um what is not good is when American companies or even European companies, but American companies um they will sell out a part of their company that just does the labor and the manufacturing in another location. So they will have operations move from the United States to let's say for example Mexico. But yet they are still headquartered in the United States. Well, that's a problem because that means it's not an American product. They can say it's an American company, but it's not actually an American product. One of the problems we've been having here in the United States and I can't speak for other countries because I haven't lived in any other country yet, but here's the thing. What I've noticed is that a lot of these companies that own a lot of these products, they're owned by holding companies. And a lot of these holding companies are from the northeastern part of the United States. For example, Maryland, Delaware, New York, New Jersey, there it's just a bottleneck up there of all these holding companies. Well, if you will remember in times past in a previous it was quite a ways back um podcast, we t- I briefly talked about how China is buying up fields out here in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, like in these towns that nobody's heard of, even towns I have not heard of, and I'm from Oklahoma, right? Well, they've been buying up property here in the United States in places where people would not think to look, and they set up shop and it is definitely slave labor because it's run by a chinese company cuz they build them like a compound like they fly their people in and they're not allowed to leave the compound they they are stuck there working until they fly them back to china so what's interesting is that a lot of these companies they are filtered through holding companies so these holding companies i think they need to be held accountable for the corruption that they are encouraging here in the united states So that's why I get concerned when a union, a labor union that is from the United States takes on another union or workers from another country, they do not have the same education levels, they do not have the same standards, they do not have the same government, they do not have the same health care, they do not have the same labor laws whatsoever. See, here's the thing. It's as I've said before, we always need to be careful who we align ourselves with because Whenever whoever we align ourselves with, we are taking on risk. I don't think the United States should be taking on any any of this kind of risk. I think that's ridiculous because the United States is only responsible for the United States. See, that's the problem with these unions that are international. They they basically share the burden. Well, here's the thing. None of these other countries are as successful or as prosperous as the United States. So who's going to get stuck, you know, hold holding the rotten egg it's going to be the united states and that's not right so we need to be careful who we do business with who we sign contracts with and also we need to bring all of our labor back to the united states we need, we need to stop having products made in other countries and i'll give an example of this i remember when i was a little girl and i'm not that old i'm only 38 but i remember years ago when i was a little girl Um you know we would go shopping at Walmart you know for util not utilities but uh basic toiletries things like that and you know there'd be bicycles and I mean all kinds of goods right tires I mean everything under the sun 
even at a small Walmart, you know, here in Oklahoma at that time, because we didn't have super centers way back then. So we didn't, we did not get a super center until like I was 17 or 18 years old, and it was like a big deal when we got one. It was like, whoa, it was like getting a mall. I mean, it was interesting. It was massive. But anyway, I noticed as a little girl, everything that was in the shop, everything that was in a Walmart or a Target or whatever the case may be, everything was made in the United States. Almost everything was grown in the United States. The only time you came across a good or a product that was made in another country would be like a product that that specialized in that thing. You know, for example, like uh, maracas or whatever. You know, those things that you shake and they make that sound. Or let's say you want Asian furniture. Let's say you want like a Chinese theme or something in your home. Well, then you would purchase goods that were made in China, but they're being sold here in the United States. It was unheard of to buy American-like goods that Americans use, but that are made everywhere else except the United States. Like I remember watching an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and I I love the episodes where Mr. Rogers would show how things are made because if you think about Mr. Rogers was the original how stuff is made show really, but it was geared towards kids, and it was always fascinating to me as a child. I learned so much. And it was such a good, appropriate, calming show, right? I remember an episode where there are these people that work in this factory, and it's just—it's not a mom and pop shop per se, but I mean, it's a pretty large one. But there's a lot of people working there, a lot of adults, and no children. It's adults, and they're making sweaters and sweatshirts, and it's really neat what they're doing. And they—they they make these items for all of the United States, so it's—it's it's really interesting. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. But here's the thing. That hardly doesn't happen anymore. So, because of NAFTA and other trade agreements, all of those jobs have been shipped overseas or down to Mexico. So that's probably a loss of well over a million jobs over the years. I mean, well over a million. A million. I mean, I could look it up, but it's probably in the millions. How many Americans have lost jobs, like manufacturing jobs that we should have here? Because all jobs help you to earn a living, right? So why anyone would want our labor force, our jobs to be shipped out to other countries makes no sense to me. It just it's it ruins our economy, and I, I think it also leads to unemployment and massive amounts of unemployment. Like we need work here. Like there are some people that think that Americans, and even Americans think this horrible about Americans. I don't know why, but they think that Americans they think they're too good to do a job. You gotta be kidding me. I meet people all the time. They're like, "Just give me a job. I'll, I'll do anything. Like, I'll make a sweater. I'll, I'll pump your gas. You know, I'll, I'll mow your lawn. I, you know, I'm not too good. I'm not too uppity to help somebody else. But there's just this kind of semi-negative. I'll just say it, there's a negative per, uh, perception of Americans, and sometimes by our own fellow Americans, it's really weird. I mean, it just strikes me as odd. I'm just like. Not everybody thinks it has to be an immigrant that does the dirty work. Americans do the dirty job all the time. I mean, I mean, just look at plumbers, electricians, you know, landscapers. I mean, I mean, construction workers. I mean, these are really hard jobs. I mean, they they're, they're performed by Americans. It's not just labor that's flown in, which I don't think that we should have as many working visas as we have. I think that's an issue. As well, because I'm surprised that more labor unions don't speak out against these visas that are allotted to people to come here and work different seasons. 
you know, back in the day, you know, my relatives, like way back in the day in the 40s or 40s, 50s and 60s here in Oklahoma, you know, during the summer months and then sometimes during the fall months, we had different seasons that you would you would work on a farm or, you know, even if you know, we didn't have a farm, but you know, if you want a summer job, you know, let's say you're in college or high school, you want a summer job, then you go work on someone's property. You find out who has a farm and you ask them, "Hey, can I come work here?" And both men and women did that. I mean, people are not afraid to work here. But if you bring people in that are not even citizens and you're giving them the work, what are Americans supposed to do? Is my point. So, this is a problem with these unions that are international. They are really um trying to manipulate our our labor laws and our labor. And if anything they're trying to get our goods made in their country but yet have all the perks of being a part of a labor union that's in the United States because they know we're loaded with money in the United States. Even though we are extremely bankrupt as a country because of our our debt, we're not balancing our budget like we should, but that's that doesn't stop other countries from using and abusing us especially financially. So, we need to start looking at things from a from an accounting point of view and from a due diligence point of view. So that's why I get concerned with these international unions, especially when they when they take countries such as Mexico under their wing because I don't think that's a good thing to do. I really do not. Um because we have a lot of problems with Mexico with them bringing drugs in, um also illegal immigrants and also they're bringing in diseases like tropical diseases that we do not ordinarily have here in the United States. So whenever people are bringing in diseases into the United States, it puts a huge stress and burden on our healthcare system. You know, our healthcare system belongs to us. It belongs to America. It doesn't belong to anybody else. That may hurt some people's feelings, but let me tell you straight up, I don't care. I don't care if your feelings get hurt because it's not about feelings. It's about doing what's right. You know, we pay for this healthcare system. We are not responsible for everybody on the planet. We are responsible for America and the citizens here. Other countries need to be responsible for their citizens and take ownership of that and also take ownership of their mistakes. You know, take ownership of of their corruption because it's usually because of corruption and and greed that people come here to the United States especially from Hispanic countries. It's very unfortunate. And again, you know, Mexico, the people there are sweet, they're kind. Every single one of them is a hoot. I mean, they're just wonderful good people. But one of the reasons why they're here is because their own country is not a good country. Their homeland, they 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 can't they can't prosper where they're from. And that's really sad. Cuz just look at it this way, what if the shoe was on the other foot? What if you and I being from America, from the United States, what if we could not prosper here in our here in our own country and let's say we had to go to Australia or let's say we have to go to Russia to be successful? I mean, that that's kind of what that's like. So, needless to say, We need to be careful who we align ourselves with, especially when people do not practice the same practices as we do. They do not have the same beliefs because almost always they they expect us to cave to them and sometimes we stupidly do that. And we stupidly do that because we don't realize, "Hey, we're number 1. We don't have to bow to anybody." I mean, I mean that's just how it is when you're number 1. So, just thought I'd mention all that because it is important. But anyway, diving into this, it says The International Organization of Masters, Mates and Pilots or MMMP is a United States labor union representing licensed mariners. MMMP represents licensed deck officers on US flag commercial vessels sailing offshore, 
on the inland waterways and on civilian cruise ships in the government fleet, state licensed marine pilots, marine engineers, mariners who work on tug, ferry and harbor tour vessels in New York Harbor and throughout the Northeast, licensed and unlicensed mariners who work on dredges, in maritime industry shoreside clerical and service workers. In addition, it operates two training facilities, the Maritime Institute of Technology and Graduate Studies, and that one is located near Baltimore, Maryland. The other one is the Pacific Maritime Institute in Seattle, Washington. And then a little bit of history here. It says MMMP's historical roots lie in the frustration felt by steamship pilots who were criminalized for marine accidents but had no voice in policy. I completely understand where they're coming from. See, because here's the thing. They're doing the job, but no one's listening to them in terms of what needs to be done to keep it safe. But yet they're, they're shaming and blaming them for stuff that's not their fault. So I completely understand where they're coming from. They had every right to speak up. And I'm glad that they did because it helps create better safety standards, right? It goes on to say they organized in New York in 1887, forming the first local of the American Brotherhood of Steamship Pilots. As more locals were founded, steamship masters expressed interest in joining. As a result, in 1891, the fledging union changed its name to the American Association of Masters and Pilots of Steam Vessels. In 1900, it expanded once again to include all deck officers and changed its name to the American Association of Masters, Mates, and Pilots of Steam Vessels. We're going to move forward a little bit to 1954. It says in 1954 the union added Canadian locals and changed its name to the International Organization of Masters, Mates and Pilots. Go move forward again to 2017. It says in 2017 members of the union approved MMMP's affiliation with a union based out of Panama, which would include their captains and deck officers, and these are vessels that are operated by the Panama Canal Authority. Going to move forward a little bit to uh, 2020. It says in 2020, masters, mates, and pilots separated from the ILA and once again became an affiliate of the AFL-CIO. So this is a problem with some of these labor unions and associations is that they affiliate with each other then they disaffiliate. Like they get their they get their feathers ruffled and then they go out on their own. They have every right to do that. But it's just one of those things that it's not stable. It's not a stable organization, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now mind you, Again, they have every right to do that, but they get their feathers ruffled very easily it seems like because we've seen this affiliation and disaffiliation time and time again with almost every single labor union that we have discussed. So, that concerns me with that. And it says in 2021, members of Masters, Mates and Pilots approved MMMP's affiliation uh, with the Mexican Merchant Marine Union, which I'm not a fan of that for obvious reasons. because our labor laws are nothing like their labor laws. They don't have the same government. Um they don't have the same quality control. They also don't have the same education level as we do. You know, what's very nice about this particular group is that they have two institutions. Um especially for technology and for teaching them about uh, maritime uh industries and things like that. You know, that that's one of the downsides to aligning yourself with someone from another country is that their education system may not be equal or even superior to the United States. And I'll give an example. And this is nothing to do with this union, but I went to a doctor several years ago. I was referred to them and their degree was from a university in Mexico and immediately I was like, "Okay, 
because Mexican universities are not necessarily known for being the best. It's almost like anybody can get in. And this is a medical doctor, right? Well, needless to say, uh, that doctor was eventually fired or let go or had to go elsewhere. Um, they were not very good at their job. There was a language barrier for sure. And I, and I know Spanish, um, but it was just, it was chaos at every visit. It was, it was weird. Um, they didn't listen. And then I found out years later, uh, after they left and I was seeing a different doctor, for follow up and stuff that they had totally lied in my medical record and I I I had suspected they were lying just making stuff up like they were basically padding the books as they say making it look like they did more work than they actually did just so they could assign more medical codes to your visit so that way they can get more money from your health insurance and or you if you're private pay I had suspected this doctor was doing that because we we started receiving like a printout a review at the end of the visit like they give this to you once you check out at the front desk of a doctor's office they they it says a list of everything you discussed so I'm like we didn't discuss any of this I was like what is this person saying like what are they doing like they hardly talked to me at all and they weren't very nice and so um there were people in that clinic that made excuses for this person and I tell you what I had to pray about it because I was like I don't like dishonesty I do not like it and i reported it and it took a couple years to get them to fire this person or get them to leave or they went elsewhere whatever the case may be but i was so glad when they long, no longer worked there because you know they they couldn't do any more damage to people's healthcare records because they were lying and they were also misdiagnosing people and they're making it seem like they did all this work on this patient when they did not i'm like i don't even know what they're talking about like i told the front desk this and i told a nurse this i was like none of this happened I was like, I don't know what's going on in their mind, but it's none of this occurred. This really concerns me, and yet they have prescribing rights. Like that's subpar healthcare. But you see, that's that's the thing. And here's another thing: I met some other patients that were concerned about this doctor's credentials as well, because um, you know, whenever I see a new doctor, I look up their credentials. I want to know: did they actually graduate? Do they actually have a license to practice medicine in the state of Oklahoma or wherever I'm living? And when I saw it was like University Dad of Mexico something or other nothing gets universities down there but in terms of medical school I prefer to see doctors that have been to medical school either in Europe or in the United States because Mexico it's not the same it is not the same they do not understand modern medicine the same way that our doctors do here like there's a reason why there are so many doctors that come to the United States and they, and they study it at our institutions and our healthcare facilities like to do their residency. That's why you see so many international doctors or international students coming here to study. It's because we have one of the best educational systems, especially in terms of modern medicine, and that's on the planet. Like we're we're one of the top ones. So, needless to say, now whenever I I see a new doctor, I'm like, I'm not seeing them if they're from Mexico or if they're from a country that that their school system is weird. and their medical school it's it's kind of like it's so easy to get in it's like that's not right cuz you don't know what these doctors are doing so i i always like to make sure that whoever i see is properly accredited and they have an active license to practice medicine that's very important you would think that would be basic um to look into those things like the people that actually own these clinics but sometimes they 
I don't know why they hire some of these people. I guess they're not doing a good HR job. I don't know why they have HR. They have human resources, but you know, it it took me aback and it took some of the other patients aback that they hired this person. I'm like, "Do they know what kind of school this is?" I mean, I know it's a real school, but it's I mean, you can just tell this doctor didn't know what they're talking about at all. They loved the money of getting paid here in the United States. That's the thing. They love money. Love money. These people that come from other countries, they love money here in the United States. Love it. Because our currency is a lot stronger. Theirs is weaker. And they can make more money here. So there is a lot of greed that goes into that. So just FYI, that's another reason why I get concerned with international organizations and labor unions. Because they typically just use the United States as our personal piggy bank. And that's not right. We should never be used in that way, shape or form. Ever, ever, ever. It's not right. Um, greed is never appropriate. But anyway, um, I will go ahead and end this podcast. But until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. That you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless.